Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast post UFC 250. Joining me tonight is Mike Gilbert from the Combat Republic. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How are you doing? Good. So you, I know you got the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. First question I have for you about this pay-per-view is UFC 249 had a stellar lineup going in on paper. UFC 250, not as much, especially in the star power. Was there any slight trepidation with uh, with putting, you know, taking three hours out of your evening and watching the show? Uh, yeah, I, I'd be lying if I said that it was like my first plan for this Saturday night. But uh, <laughs> um, but I, it, it was definitely an option. But if something else came along, I was going to choose a different option. But whenever uh, you know, you and I talked earlier in the week, you wanted to do the show. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to stick with the fight then. So uh, just FYI for everyone. As always, Bet Online is uh, is the sponsor tonight. We are brought to you by Bet Online. Um, the other, so the other thing uh, before we get into all the news and, and the show and everything is, how's the website going? Uh, you know, it's it's going pretty good. I uh, I did start school again last week, so it's been a little bit slow. And uh, a lot of the stuff that I cover, I, I try not to focus too heavy on WWE and AEW, and mm-hmm. because because everybody else is already doing that. So I'm trying sure. to find just trying to find my niche. Um, I've gotten a lot of traffic through Impact Stories because those fans are crazy hardcore about that product. <laughs> um, but uh, nobody else is running, and um, so what I I've been doing and, I, and I'm real proud of it is I've been doing this free agency series um, where I, I, I pick a, a subject like I did one on Rusev I've done one on Mike Bennett I did one on uh, Gallows and Anderson where I kind of look at the their options and find what the best fit for them is and kind of predict where they might be going um, and and that's done pretty well for me and then I actually have a, a, a free agency tracker so anytime a new a new um, rumor comes up or there's somebody's getting connected to somebody or or there's been some talks going somewhere. I try to update that, post it, and then try to give my uh, my sarcastic Mike Gilbert flavor to it. So, um, <laughs> but you know, people have really been enjoying it, so I'm kind of sticking with that. And uh, yeah, it's going good. There's some there's some interesting news going on in the UFC today, and uh, actually not not just today, but earlier in the week. Uh, everybody knows about John Jones's feud with Dana White right now. So much so that he wants to relinquish his uh, his light heavyweight title, but there was another fighter that came out who is not as as big of a um, star, I would say, as John Jones. Though he is coming into his own, um, you know, in his prime right now, which who is George Masvidal. He made some comments uh, about pay and about you know release me from my contract so that you know I could go do whatever I want. 
the what do you think about the guys coming out during this time where you know the UFC is really working hard to put shows together in the pandemic but the guys uh, you know two guys two two big guys same management team and everything are are coming out strongly against the way that Dana White and company do business yeah, I, I think it was inevitable, especially with uh, the CSPN deal that they have, because I, I don't know that there is the pay-per-view bonus incentive for them anymore, since they're getting a flat rate for every show. Um, so that that kind of undercuts their drawing ability, and it and it really gives all the leverage to the UFC, and the fighters don't have any more leverage. So um, I, I think that it'll, it'll end up getting resolved. But if if there was ever a time to start a union, <laughs> I think I think now would be the time, um, especially with you know John Jones and uh, Jorge Masvidal being two of the top guys there. And um, I know Conor McGregor starting some trouble, and then uh, Stipe Miocic is always in a contract dispute. So if they get enough of their top guys together, they can they might be able to come up with something, but I think in the end, Dana will all figure it out. He always figures it out. You know, the thing about, <clears throat> we'll talk about Connor in a second, but the thing about Dana's, um, he, he, he is presenting himself a little bit as the victim. And he is saying that because we are in a pandemic, like these guys are, are being unfair in, in a sense. And like you said, you know, this may be literally the only leverage they have because of the fact of the new uh, money deal. Now, if Dana came out and said, look, we are in a situation where we cannot make money off of the house, that is a big driver for us to be able to pay fighters the big money that we do for big draws like Connor and John Jones and Nate Diaz and guys like that. If he presented it like that, I think the MMA media... Uh, would be a little bit um, uh, that they would give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, but because he is just flat blaming it on the pandemic, as if they don't get the same amount of money that they generally would yeah. <laughs> during the during a real time, that that is frustrating to me because. He is using that as an excuse, which is you know it's true promoter. It's 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 in his blood to to do that. But I really wish he said, you know, look, we don't have the gates right now because the flip of that is, is that these fighters are fighting at a time where it may not be safe to fight. Probably is not safe to fight. And so on the other hand, what well, well, Dana says, you know, well, you know, we're in this pandemic. Yeah, no shit, because these fighters are having to fight during a time where it's not safe to do so. So he, there, there, there's, there, there, you know, it's a pretty rich statement for him to be blaming that right now. And and I just, um, I have I have a problem with that because all you need to do if you're an MMA reporter is basically say what you just said, which is you get a flat rate on these pay per views, no mm-hmm. matter what. ESPN pays you, you just have to put the show on and you're fine. Now, the thing that Dana does not say, right, is, and maybe this is why he doesn't make it about that that pay-per-view, because if people then want to do the math and they go, okay, UFC makes $16 million from each show from ESPN. Now, let's do the math and let's add up the fighter pay for this show. I I'm I don't know what the fighter pay was. I think Amanda made four fifty. I think it was um, three fifty. 
Well, I think her win bonus is a hundred. Oh, okay. So, so then she would have made four fifty. So that's almost half of a million. But as you scale down the card, there are some really small amounts there. So let's say that they did one and a half. Let's say they had to pay out one and a half million. They don't have to pay a site fee to run the show. They're running it out of the apex. I'm sure there are logistics involved in paying Nevada and you know judging and refereeing. There's there's small amounts of money that come out there, but still they made a ton of money on this show, which is not going to do a big buy rate for ESPN. So at the end of the day, he's crying over nothing. Right. And Andrew Yang, of all people, called him out on that today because the the majority of their money comes from their rights deals and their rights deals are the same. They have not changed. The only the only money that they're not getting is the gate. And he, he was on. Do you, guys, do you know that guy, Robbie Fox from Barstool? I, I know of him. Yes. Yeah. He uh, he was on that show today. They, they did a little mini podcast and I, I uh, listened to it while I was jogging. And he was saying, oh, well, you guys have no idea what our finances are and yada, 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 this and that. And he goes, um, typically we, we, we hold our fights at an MGM a resort, one of their properties, and they put up all the hotel fees. But we're fitting that bill now. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> it's like, that's like an extra box of Captain Crunch for you guys. That's not that big of a deal. So um, I, I, th- I honestly think that Endeavor is in shambles, their parent company. Absolutely. And, and they're, they're, they're clearing, they have to clear all those debts. So if you take a look at UFC, yeah, UFC, its own entity is highly profitable, but they're they're subsidizing the rest of Endeavor right now. And the rest of Endeavor is like essentially going bankrupt as we speak, right? So I think that's the problem. And he doesn't want to say that because they have a lot of investors, investors that will pull out and things like that. So I, I, I think that he absolutely just doesn't want to say that. And that's the huge issue. And so if the fighters know that, they may have leverage, right? Yep. They may have leverage that they don't know that they have if that is the case. And so if you are John Jones, um, Connor, Nate Diaz, the really tippy top guys, and you say, hey, we're not going to fight. Hey, ESPN, you are paying uh, uh, the UFC for fights that are not going to happen. And this is what's going to happen for us to fight. The whole thing about unionizing is the lowest person on the totem pole is cared for like everybody else, right? Like there's no, there's no, you know, you have your stars and your LeBron James who makes, uh, you know, $23 million, but is probably worth to the NBA like $80 million. But he can't get 80 because if he got 80, then the young rookie who uh, it wasn't drafted and is on a two-way deal gets $10,000. And really, you want him to make hundred k as well. And so that has to be important to Connor and John and Masvidal and Nate and DC and Stipe. Um, it has to be important for them in order for something like this to work, because if they are only about the upper echelon of fighters making more money, then the only thing Dana is going to do is go, OK, you guys make more money and we're cutting more from the middle tier and the bottom tier. And that's not going to work either. 
Right. Well, and this is going to turn into the boxing model where you have essentially one fight that everybody's there to see and the rest of the card is absolute nobodies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's where it's going to end up because I, I don't think that John Jones is like, you know what, let me take less money. Or uh, it, Connor would be the prime example. Connor's like, say, let me take less money so that way Eddie Wineland can get an extra, you know, 20 grand. It's, I just don't see it happening. I mean, and, it, and if they truly fought for a much better split, th- you know, Connor could still make what he's making. He just wouldn't be able to make twice as much as what he's making. And then everybody else in the middle and lower class would probably be making twice of what they're making right now. So, you know, he could still make that that gigantic money, but he just won't be able to probably make more than that gigantic money unless there's a fight out there that, you know, that that he gets some sort of promotion on that is you know, outside of this ESPN deal or something. I don't know who, who, who knows, but yeah, that, that, I think that is the, um, that would be what we would look at if they, if it, if it did work out like that. And, and that's what Dana says that, you know, he was always against a hundred percent against, but it is an interesting story. Like you, I don't think that anything is going to come out of it. I think Dana is going to take care of the top guys, you know, like Dana does, like Vince McMahon does, you know, you take care of the top guys, they're happy. And then the people who are in the middle class, then they're just happy to have a job. That's how we sort of present the product. All right, let's take a break to talk about our friends at Bet Online. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL. Uh, NBA and UFC events 24-7. Speaking of UFC, UFC 250, which we are talking about right now with with Mike and myself, uh, I did win uh, on both of my bets tonight. So I had a parlay with Sean O'Malley and Aljamain Sterling, and then I put put some on uh, Amanda Nunez as well. So um, definitely uh, on the right track with, with my bets for tonight. Uh, you can also participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. And live on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls, Ron Harp, uh, Harp, his nickname is Harp, Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the final dance Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so let's talk about the show. I think both of us missed the um, the undercard stuff, right? Did you, did you get to see any of the undercard? I was at yogurt <laughs> with the family. I did not get to see it. Good decision. Good decision. I'm going to quickly go through the prelims, just the matches. I, I didn't watch any of these, um, but just uh, I'm using Ryan Frederick's live results uh, from the Wrestling Observer. So uh, Herbert Burns beat Evan Dunham by submission. Rear naked choke at 120 of the first round. Um, Devin Clark defeated Alonzo Menefield by unanimous decision. Uh, Alex Perez defeated just, uh, Juicier Formiga by TKO leg kick of the, uh, first round. 
Um, let's see here. Maki Patolo defeated Charles Bird by TKO punches in round two. Um, Cody Stammen beat Brian Kelleher Kelleher by unanimous decision. Uh, Ian Ian Heinch uh, defeated Gerald Mears. I don't know how to pronounce Mearshart. Gerald Gerald Mearshart. Yeah. And and so there was an interesting thing with this fight because uh, uh, Ian was going to get pulled because one of his cornermen had tested positive for coronavirus. And what they realized is that it was a false positive. Mm. And originally what we thought was uh, false positives were generally not happening with these tests. We were seeing a lot of false negatives, but not seeing the false positives. But they they retested the, the cornerman two times and uh, he uh, tested negative. So he was able to fight. And then in the last, uh, in the last undercard, fight uh alex caceres defeated chase hooper by unanimous decision which leads us into our espn plus pay-per-view main card and the first i mean what what a fight to start off with perfect wow. first fight sugar sean o'malley knocks out eddie wineland in the first round and I'm, I'm watching with my kid and my kid is big time in into sugar sean he loves he loves these guys who are young and who you know he can kind of see their rise you know for, from the contender series and up and and he's able to to really latch on to some of these guys so he he's riding high watching watching uh, o'malley and eddie wineland throws a right hand and o'malley just kind of takes it and then he's he started to get like a little urgent and I was like, huh, that's, that's interesting. And I was trying to ask, you know, my son, why do you think O'Malley is reacting this way? He's like, really sort of, there's an urgency. And right as I was sort of explaining to him, like, you know, why do you think he's doing that? Then O'Malley knocks him out and I'm like, oh, like who cares now? <laughs> like, like, just like, uh, what a great knockout. He, uh, he faints, a, a, an, an uppercut. A, a right uppercut, then kind of just throws his left out there just to show it, and then he comes uh, comes with a right hand, right cross to the chin, and Eddie Wineland went limp. He uh, Joe Rogan said that he was actually sleeping at some point before before he kind of woke up, but yeah, amazing knockout by Sean O'Malley, and uh, one fight that uh, you know I think I think other people have talked about this, but we'll we'll talk about it after the Cody fight, but. Both of these guys looked amazing, and it's like, why don't we put these guys in, in the cage together? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Sean. Sean looks fantastic, and that that kid is popular. And I did not realize how popular he was. I just took a look at my Twitter account, so I I just tweeted, um, I shared a video of the knockout on my Twitter, uh-huh. and it's got two hundred and ten retweets. I I I don't have that many followers. It's got like over five hundred likes. Nice. And I, I also tweeted the Cody Garbrandt video it's got like 10 retweets. So that's yeah. how, and, and I, I actually tweeted out the, um, the O'Malley video about an hour after it happened. Right. And the Garbrandt was right as it happened. I tweeted that out. So that's how much popular or more popular that O'Malley is than Garbrandt and just the kind of following that this kid has. And maybe I'm old. I didn't see it, but damn, the kid is good. I, I am impressed. I like him a lot. I hope he can stay out of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. The, I think there's a, you know, there's a thing with, you know, he also is a little bit of a gamer. So that leans to the younger generation who who are gamers and who may see him, you know, in, in sessions of games and stuff. I know that's kind of a, kind of a big thing too, but yeah, no, he looked great. And 
um, you know, came out with the wig and then his post-fight press conference was all about money and restructuring his contract. And like, he's got a lot of confidence for someone who's very, still very young in his career. Yeah. And that, and that punch, wow, what a, what a punch. And I, I almost tweeted this when I was afraid that Robert Silva might call me out on it. I was about to say it's like a, that was like a Jake LaMotta punch, you know, but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I'd get, get uh, corrected real quick. <laughs> Second fight was uh, Anthony uh, Rocco Martin versus Neil Magny. I I didn't realize, like, cause I, I was trying to think of when I'd seen Martin fight, and I was like, God, I don't really know if I remember him. And then I look at his record, and he's been in the UFC for for a long time, probably fighting on on a lot of fight night cards and undercards and such. But uh, so and Magny's a vet. Magny's been around seemingly forever. Uh, and this fight was, if you were, if you're going to say there was a boring fight, um, th- this would be the one and it wasn't necessarily boring in the sense that it was a little bit of a chess match. Uh, Martin tried to, uh, he, he his game is not the standup game. Magny's game is a standup game. So he tried to sort of stay away from it. And pick his spots to to use uh, his his wrestling a little bit, and I I thought that it's quite possible that you could give him the first two rounds just based on how those rounds went. Magny was trying to you know trying to uh, to box was was not uh, successful in in getting inside, and uh, Ma- uh, Martin actually pinned Magny against the cage in two different times uh, in the first round and just kind of held him there. And I was like, wow, you know, this guy's really strong and he, and he's just, he, he's kind of uh, stopping what, what Magny does well. And then the second round, he actually did hit him with a good shot, even got a takedown. Um, and you know, he's, I thought he was doing a, a, a good job. And then, but by the third round, Magny just dominated. He, he Magny is not someone who is a, is a power puncher. Like, you know, you look at how he fights and then, you know, you see someone like Cody or, or Sean O'Malley and then you're like, okay, like there's a little bit of a different style of, of uh, how each breaks the other guy down. He, but the third round was all him and he wore Martin out. I think Martin was also probably tired. And then by the end of the fight, uh, two of the judges had Magny winning all three rounds and I couldn't actually see, um, I couldn't see it clearly, 30-29 clearly, uh, but you know, that this is sort of how the, the scoring works in a sense where, you know, a lot of times we, we look frustrated by the end going like, wow, how did he score that round? But yeah. what did you think of the decision? Cause maybe, maybe I was the one who was off on this one. No, I, I don't think you were. I, so, you know, Martin didn't, even though he did get a takedown, he didn't really do a whole lot of damage. Um, but I, I felt like the first two rounds were very close and obviously the third round was completely Magni. Honestly, I, I thought that that was a 10, eight round and I, I assumed going into the decision that it was going to be a draw and I was surprised that it wasn't. I, I, I thought that Magni might've lost the first two rounds. Um, and then in my head, I was thinking, I almost, um, sent this to my friends who do the Ryzen podcast. I was going to say, it was like, dude, if this was in Japan, it, the, like, no doubt the decision's going to Magni because he did the most damage and, yeah. uh, just based on that third round because they, they grade the fight as a whole there. But, um, if you're just, if you're doing American scoring, then yeah, I, I thought that Martin won or it was a draw. So in the third fight, Corey Sanhagen and Aljamain Sterling, 
Sandhagen didn't even have an opportunity to do no. anything. Sterling rushes him, immediately gets his back. He's got a rear naked in, but he can't get his arm underneath the chin. It's tight as all hell, though. I, I was like worried about uh, Sandhagen's chin there. Uh, and then so Sandhagen kind of gets, you know, c- kind of wiggles, wiggles out of the rear naked, but he's not out of the body triangle. And uh, Sterling just keeps at it, keeps at it, gets the choke again. Sandhagen has a tap and and he's going to sleep at the same time, basically, as he taps. So just dominant performance. Uh, one of those fights where, you know, if Sandhagen sort of is ready for for the rush it's probably a really good fight but he should have been ready for for what was happening and and sterling looked great it, it is unfortunate that it doesn't look like he's going to get the uh the title shot the with with, uh, with peter yan because you know it's already been promised to jose aldo and aldo absolutely mm-hmm. is is uh is not deserving if you look at it from a uh, wins and losses perspective but he is the bigger name uh, you do have to sell these fights. I just don't know. I, I don't know that he's that much of a bigger name right now. I think a lot of people see Aldo as uh, over the hill, um, but we'll we'll see. Things can change. But as of now, uh, Sterling has to wait in line for that fight, and then he probably would be the next contender. You would think. Oh, absolutely. I I think Sterling should just stay ready um, because you never know, especially with Aldo, who's pulled out of so many fights. Um, who knows what's going to happen with that? And then Dana White is the the king of changing his mind. So he could absolutely like he promises a fight to some guy, he'll pull it in immediately if um, if he thinks he can make a little bit more money off of it. So um, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if they just change the fight and put Sterling in there. Yeah, yeah, true. And and look, you know, like you said, you got to stay ready. Guys get hurt, it, you know, especially Aldo, yeah. especially Aldo. Uh, okay, Cody Garbrandt and Rafael Asuncio. This is another Cody's another one of uh, my kids' favorite guys, and so you know I, we we were we were battling when it was Cody against TJ, uh, you know, a couple years ago there. And the, my reasoning behind taking Asuncio was simply that I fully expected Cody to look great in the first round, probably in the second round, and then get a little wild and get dropped, but. It absolutely did not happen. He was never in any real danger. He controlled the entire fight. He was fast. He was quick. Uh, Asuncio really looked old in this fight. And he, you know, he is older. He's in his upper thirties. But uh, Cody looked like uh, you know the same sort of prospect and champion that that we saw him as a few years ago. Now he he got tested once. I think I think he got hit on the chin once, and it was it was a good shot, and, and it didn't affect him. But uh, that that's the worry now um, with uh, with Sun uh, with Asuncio. I, I think it was a good fight for Cody. Good styles clash, and uh, he did not allow it to get out of hand, and he just looked great at the end of the second round. Asuncio is just kind of like I don't I don't actually know what he was trying to do because he knew that there was only a few seconds left, and he just kind of got lazy with his hands. And Cody kind of like faked something and Asensio's hands just kind of lazily dropped. And at the one second mark, Cody just wings this like super wide right hand, clocks Asensio. As he hits Asensio, you hear the horn go off for the round and Asensio's out. So the referee stops the fight. Cody wins right at the end of the second round. 
Yeah, brother was snoozing, man. Dude, Cody threw that punch like it was Randy Johnson throwing a fastball. Like <laughs> it just it just came from way downtown and clocked that brother, and he was out. And uh, it was insane. They actually tried to put him up on his stool, and he started to fall off of the stool. And the, the the ringside physicians had to catch him to make sure he didn't fall off, and they actually had to put him on the ground. Um, yeah, he was he was definitely in another dimension. That was scary. Like when you yeah. see stuff like that. You know, you wonder, you know, we, 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 being a fight fan, you, you are going to see concussions. You're going to see wooziness. You're going to see people go to sleep. That's part of the game. And you just kind of have to deal with it. The, the one that I still will turn away is uh, when the elbow gets hyperextended on the, on the arm bar. That's the one that, that I'll, I'll turn away on. But yeah. you're sort of used to everything. But when you see somebody who gets knocked out and is sitting on the chair and is slumping over, it just reminds me of a lot of the bad stuff that's happened in, in boxing. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Robert Silva. He's writing um, some pieces for us about his greatest 50 fights of all time. It's fantastic, and, by the way. Everybody should go out of the way to check that out. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm learning so much. Like, I know the story of a lot of these fights, but he goes deep, way deeper than, than I know. And there's a fight uh, between, uh, I believe it's Nigel Benn and Gerald McClellan. And in the fight, um, they bonk heads at some point. And I think uh, McClellan, um, he, he's, he's like blinking. You see his eyes blinking. So he probably has a concussion, but he's still fighting. And so he gets dropped and, uh, and then he goes to a knee. Then he gets dropped again and he goes to a knee again. And he gets counted out while being on his knee and he's winning the fight. And so he goes into the corner and he kind of sits down and they kind of lay him down in the corner and he's like laid out like he's I think he had to go to the hospital. His fights, his career's over. I think he's I, th I think he's alive, but like literally like he he went into uh, I don't know if it was a coma or whatever, but like yeah. that, that, like when I like when I saw Asuncio for a split second, I was like, oh, man, I just saw that fight that that Robert had talked about. Thankfully, at least as far as we know, Asuncio was OK. He stood up at the end of the fight and when you know, when they raised Garbrandt's hand. So uh, but that that was uh yeah that was one of the one of the best knockouts you're gonna see absolutely and I think Sunsau has some soul searching to do he uh he, he he's 37 he looked every bit of 37 and I was like dude I just turned 37 and I feel your pain man <laughs> so um I he he um you know he's been kind of a in that middle tier of the Bantamweight division for a very long time. He's got some big victories. He's been in there with a lot of tough guys, but he's got some miles on him. So I, I hope he makes the right decision. I hope he's saved his money. And uh, in one of the biggest mismatches in uh, UFC title history that you'll ever see, uh, Felicia Spencer against Amanda Nunez. And this was one where I started to see and then this happens a lot, right? Somebody writes a piece that says, "Oh, you know, this is a really good, this is a really good matchup for for um, someone who wants to beat Amanda Nunez." Like Felicia has the skill set that you need to beat someone like Amanda Nunez. And I was like, okay, the only thing you really have to watch when with these two is the athleticism. Amanda is she's not like super athletic in like she she's not someone like you know she doesn't have the hand speed or the foot speed but she the way that she moves and the way that she moves inside the cage from her boxing stance she moves like an athlete 
And when I watched Felicia Spencer move, I was like, okay, she's really heavy footed. She is not, um, her body type is, is not, uh, is a heavy body type. And so I'm watching her kind of move around the ring and it's not smooth at all. And I'm like, there's no way what, like, what are people seeing? I obviously, I think some of it was just, they were trying to hype the fight. Yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, first round comes and I, and I'm telling my, my kid, I'm like, look, this, this is the, this is an athlete who is really talented in their sport against someone else who is talented in their, in, in whatever part of the MMA game is, but they're not a great athlete. Felicia Spencer is tough as nails. She took so much punishment but the reason why she took so much punishment is because she could not avoid the shots. She's not, she's, she, it just tells you, it just shows you the disparity in that division. Amanda has cleaned it out and, and, and you're really looking at, you know, second rate contenders coming up, but she just dominated this fight from the beginning to the end, to the point of where when it got to the end of the fourth round, I was hoping they were going to stop it. And I saw Shayna Baszler's tweet, about how, you know, there have been worse fights that people want stop, just face it. It's just because it's girls that you want the fight to stop. And that wasn't even my thought at all. My thought was the just the talent disparity between the two women was so wide that I really feared that if Amanda wanted to, she could have really hurt Spencer bad. And I think she pulled back in, in, in some moments so that that didn't happen. Yeah, no, she showed her some grace. I mean, the, as soon as the fight started, it was like there was two different species in there. Like, Amanda Nunes is far and away above a better fighter than Spencer. Spencer had no business being in there. I felt bad for her by round four, and I... I you know, I could see why they let it they let it stay. Uh, they, they let the fight go, but I would not have argued against them stopping that fight either because there was no path to victory for Spencer. There just wasn't, and all she was going to do is continue to take damage. Um, and I had hoped that they would stop it, um, and they didn't. And thank God, Amanda Nunes just like, oh, you know, I'm going to take her down and ride this one out, and uh, she got a, a big time victory. So I think the only thing that people were arguing, well, whether or not it should have been stopped, but the other thing was when the scorecards were read, two judges gave one 10-8 round and one judge gave no 10-8 rounds, which made me wonder, okay, do I really understand the the scoring system here? So I asked uh, my buddy Nick Mahmoud, who does some judging for boxing and UFC. And I asked him, you know, what's the rationale behind a 10-8? And he said, damage, dominance, and duration. You get two out of three, it counts as a 10-8. Five of those rounds were 10-8 rounds, and they did not get scored that way. Yeah, I I don't think it's that we don't know what the scoring is. I think it's that they don't know how to score those fights. And I, I I don't know what's going on, but they really need to overhaul the scoring system. Yeah. So, um... After the after the show, uh, Dana, you know, Dana was just in the press conference. He was just mostly talking about the fighter pay and stuff. But um, Amanda Nunez did say, you know, she doesn't know what what's next, but she sh- she's certainly enjoying her victory. She is an interesting one because she's got the title at one forty five, and she's got the title at one thirty five. She's talked in the past about wanting to slow down and possibly start a family or, you know, she, she and her wife, you know, kind of get away. Her wife is also a fighter. Uh, but you know, it is an interesting one because, 
you know, she could wait on the sidelines a little bit. I know she was not too interested in fighting originally when they wanted her to fight when when uh when the fir- the rumor of of this fight was happening and you know it was kind of a little bit earlier in the uh in the COVID-19 times. And she was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's safe or not. So I, I it does it does make me wonder what her next step is because does she want to go through another camp to fight someone who, you know, she's going to probably overwhelm. And, um, you know, it's not much of a challenge in, in, in a sense to her, though, though I'm sure she gets, I'm sure she likes the, you know, the greatest women fighter of all time stuff. There is something to that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I wonder what she does. And, and, you know, I would hope that she feels that she's got some leverage now because, uh, not to say that she is the draw that some of these guys are, but you know Dana's put, trying to put together title title fights, and she's got two of the belts. Henry Cejudo uh, just said, eh, "I'm done. You know, I, I'm retired." And Dana was like, "Okay, see you later, buddy." You know, if if a lot of people start doing that, I don't think Dana can you know see you later, buddy, to to ev- to all of them. So no. as a champion, she does have some leverage. Yeah, and. You know, I don't know what Dana's thinking, but if ESPN wants to scrap that deal, they can, right? It, I'm sure there's some legal means for them to be able to do that. So he's going to have to start producing big fights again. And so that's where the fighter leverage is going to come into play. Um, I, you know, I, I was curious about this. She, you know, Amanda Nunes is a, you know, she's a pretty big woman. I, do you th- could she cut to 125, you think? Is that, would that even be in the realm of possibility or is one third, well, is 135 her cap? She has said in the past that she could get down if she wanted to. Okay. I don't know how healthy it would be for yeah. her. Because if they want to do another Shevchenko fight, and I'm not really for that, especially at 135, we've already seen it. But if they tried to do it at 125, I wonder if that would be intriguing to her if you know they gave her enough time to try to cut that weight and fight her at 125 for that title. Maybe that would be the only intriguing fight out there for her. Yeah, if I'm her though, I I'm like I'm the one who's got the two championships, so she should yeah. come up again. But well, you know, we we've, we've seen that we've seen yeah. that before. But um, she could be the only one to ever have three belts. Sure, I sure, mean, I, I, and, I, and that that would be the the part that would be the drawing factor to me. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I totally get it from the from that perspective. Um, okay, so this is this was going to be a little bit of a shorter show because we do you know we were just going to recap the UFC, but you mentioned this at, at the top. Conor McGregor, <laughs> he decided. I, the timing of this is weird because we just got to the, you know, we just saw a show that was not a big show. Uh, he's not stealing attention away from anything. It was just a normal, you know, probably lower level UFC pay per view. And so he tweets and says, Hey guys, I've decided to retire from fighting. Thank you all for the amazing memories. What a ride it's been. Here's a picture of myself and my mother in (laughs) Las Vegas. Post one of my world title wins. Pick the home of your dreams, Mags. I love you. Whatever you desire, it's yours. So I'm not exactly sure what the angle is here other than to simply pile on with uh, John and Jorge and Cejudo uh, and just kind of be like, you know, I, I'm I'm on the same boat with these guys, uh, but you know, he the the problem is is that he's done this a few times in the past and it's meant nothing. Um, and then the fear 
at least for me, whenever I see him post any goofy stuff is that, you know, he's kind of partying a little too hard and, and, and this may be the result of it. I hope that is not the case, yeah. because, you know, that that is a, a serious thing for him. Right. But uh, well, what were, what were your thoughts on this? I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it, it's I think it's the third or fourth time Sean Ross Sapp actually went back and dug up Connor's old tweets and retweeted the other times that he retire retired on Twitter each time. Um, it's obviously a leverage play. He's looking for some more money, and Dana's just he Dana claims that he's not in a position to be able to do that, and so instead of sitting on the sidelines, I guess he wants to create a little bit more drama while keeping his uh, name out there. Um, I I don't think it's a partying thing. I used to party a lot, and never once while I was partying, <laughs> never once while I was partying did I go around showing pictures of my mom. You know, so I I don't know that that's the case, but uh, this is clearly a leverage play, and uh, you know who knows? I it usually works out for him, right? And I think he's wanting, he's probably wanting uh, ESPN to go and co-promote with him. That's always been Mayweather's dream or McGregor's dream. Sorry, Mayweather Freudian slip. But um, I I think that they're going to want ESPN to start kicking up more money for these bigger fights. And that's what these guys are looking for. And it is an interesting play right now. Like we said at the top, you know, there is a little bit of leverage because of the all of the things that are going on, you know, it's not one thing. It's not just the pandemic. It's also Endeavor. Um, but I, I do I do like that the fighters, at least right now, are flexing their muscle a little bit because I think the public and, and it'll be it'll be interesting how the how the public looks at this because I, I was talking uh I think it was last weekend uh, I did a, a wrestling observer radio with with Dave Meltzer and I and I asked him I said look you know why are the fans of pro wrestling, at least WWE, so pro-owner? Because you see someone like Drew Gulak, originally when the story came out that he was... Um, that that he was he, he got fired or that he got cut or something like that was the original story and there was so much sympathy towards him then the story changed to that he was uh he his his contract expired and he wanted more money and the second that went to he wanted more money everybody and their mom said oh he does he's not worth it what has he done he's on and so to me if you do your job correctly you, you get a wage, you do it correctly, your company is doing well, they make more money, you should get a pay increase. Like that's just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. But why do fans don't, why, why do fans not look at it that way? And, and with that mindset, I wonder how fans of the UFC are going to look at it with the top stars basically saying to the UFC, you're not paying us enough money to fight. Yeah, I, I don't know if they have that blind loyalty to the UFC because UFC is such a star-driven model, and right now the WWE is a WWE-driven model, right? There there really isn't any like next-generation stars in that company right now. Um, and, you know, it's not really like a... a a WWE-centric problem. I just remember when I was a kid, any time that, you know, the somebody from the 49ers, and I'll use Deion Sanders as an example, when he left the 49ers to go to the Cowboys because they were paying him more money, our natural reaction was to call him a sellout, right? <laughs> and 
And I, I, that was always the thing. When guys would leave ECW to go to WCW, they would be called sellouts. Like they were trading on the company. And so um, I think once you get a loyalty to a brand, anybody that's willing to leave that, or if anybody's will, wanting to make more money from that, they're automatically called a sellout. But here I am, I, you know, at, at my age and I got a family to take care of. I'm like, you know, I'm in the Air Force. I've been in 16 years. But if the Navy called me and said, hey, dude, <laughs> like, hey, we'll, we'll get you out of your contract. We'll give you 20% more pay and then we'll increase your retirement benefits. You want to come over here? And I'm like, I don't even like boats, but I'm on my way, brother. You know what I mean? So I, I, uh, I, I used to be my mindset when I was a kid, but as an adult now, I, I don't have that mindset. And I think that that is more of a child's mindset to think like that. Um, if you, if you, if you're mad at Drew Gulak for wanting more money, you're probably a child. It was, it was just all of a sudden it was like, oh, of, you know, of course, WWE didn't want him, you know, want to pay him more. He doesn't deserve it. And I'm like, how right. does he not deserve it? Like, well, yeah. the guy went from not being on TV to doing a WrestleMania program with Daniel Bryan. Like, being on TV, he's obviously worth a little bit more than he was. And right. but people were just well, like, yeah. But may, and maybe if he did or he didn't, that you know that's irrelevant. He should at least ask for it, right? Absolutely. I mean, like you, you you have to go in any type of contract negotiation. You got to go in there and say, hey, uh, give me X amount of money, and that's where the negotiation starts. And then you kind of work your way down from there. But to get mad that he asked for it is ridiculous. Now, whether or not he deserved it, is WWE making extra money because Drew Gulak's on the roster? I don't think so. No. Um, I I don't. He's I. He, I've never seen a person wear his t-shirt, right? So I, I, I don't know about all that, but he absolutely should ask for it. He's a, he's an adult and he's working on a, a contract negotiation. Always ask for more. Absolutely. Okay. Before we go here, I did want to ask you a little bit about TNA, uh, TNA Impact, because you cover Impact yeah. for your website. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. What did you think about the video that they did? Uh, you know, I, uh, I I got a little bit excited about it, and it's so funny how I, I kind of got mixed in with uh, with Impact Wrestling. I I started writing about it because I just didn't feel like anybody else was, um, and through that I became a big fan of the show. And I had already liked the show, but I watched it more passively. But as I started to look into it more, and I started to to write about it, I, I my interest grew from there. And um, I was always constantly looking for ways for that show to improve, to kind of get back to where they were, um, because they they had it all at one point. They were the number two promotion in the world. They were on this big network. They had uh, at one point they were profitable, but they kind of pissed it all away. And so I was kind of really interested in that comeback story and the underdog story. <clears throat> so anyway, fast forward to the the video that they posted. I got super excited, um, mainly because the week prior I had written a, a story about what they need to do to get themselves back in the limelight, and people sent that to them. Now, I don't think this is the reason why they did it. That doesn't mean I'm not going to take credit for it on Twitter, but, <laughs> but a lot of the people that I said that they should probably go for were, were in that video, and uh, that got me pretty excited. Now, um, one of those people was Drake Maverick. He already re-signed with WWE. Yep. Um, Carl Anderson has kind of come out, you know, he did the whole WTF, but then 
he's friends with Scott Demore, uh, who is the vice president of uh, Impact. So I, I think they're kind of playing games with each other, but there's nothing set in stone there. They're being rumored to go into New Japan. Um, EC3 posted a, a, a reply video that was kind of an FU to Impact. So Because um, he's, he's probably... Uh, what He is not... At WWE right now, right? He was was he he was part of one of the, part of the cuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just hadn't been on TV in two years, so nobody remembers. But yeah, no, he was he was part of the cuts. Um, and that was one of the guys that I said, look, hey, look, he was the champion in Impact for a while. He had his best run in Impact. You guys should go get him um, and let him build his career back up. And so I was excited to see his uh, his logo on there. Um, uh, I, I think that it's generated a lot of buzz, so much buzz, in fact, that uh, Garrett Gonzalez is actually talking about impact <laughs> on his podcast. So that's when you know that they generated some buzz. Um, and I, but you're not the only one. A lot of people who don't really watch Impact anymore because they have they they ruined their name over time and they dwindled away that hardcore audience that they thought was never going to go away. They're gone, right? It's like, it's just me and a group of other people that have kind of hold it on. And, but people are starting to talk about it again. Um, and I, I think it's exciting. I, I do think that if they don't deliver big though, it's going to be, um, nothing's fatal to impact. TNA will never die. Right. But I think it's going to be a catastrophic blow to them to where no one's going to take them seriously again. Um, but look, you know, I, I've been saying for a while they're, they're on a strong network. Um, people who make fun of that used to watch new Japan every Saturday night when they were on there and they used to love that. So, uh, I think access is a decent network. Um, and, uh, they have a strong ownership group. They're the leadership that they have in the company is stronger than it's ever been. They're more competent than Dixie Carter ever thought of being. Mm-hmm. And um, the the storylines are good. Um, I, you know, this, they don't really have the big stars that they used to have. You know, they don't have the stings and the Kurt Angles, but they have uh, they have some pretty big names there. Um, the and they have really good matches, and I I, I like the show. Um, now. Is nobody there? No, but that's fine. <laughs> like everybody's like, why do you watch Impact? Nobody watches Impact. It's like the same reason why I listened to punk rock when I was in high school, <laughs> right? It's like if I only ever watch something that everybody else watched, I, you know, that is not my measurement of something that is good. It's something that entertains me, and I've, uh, I've kind of grown fond of the show. So um, I, I am excited. I, um, <clears throat> I'll be excited when uh, you know Garrett and John LaRocca are doing their rundown of Slammiversary <laughs> on July eighteenth uh, on the pay-per-view <laughs> maybe maybe not but um no I, I i think it's a big i think it's a big deal i think it's cool okay so uh what are they doing with their championship with their world title well we'll find out on tuesday i know tessa blanchard's still stuck in mexico <clears throat> i was never really a fan of her getting the title um i i just i i thought that was kind of like a, a short-term gimmicky thing that they were trying out um they, they do a lot of things because they're like, hey, no one's watching anyway. Let's just try this. Let's just figure it out. And, and if it if it explodes, then it works. If it doesn't, then we'll move on. Um, <clears throat> and her contract's coming up due anyway. So I, I think they're just going to strip her of the title. And they'll probably just do a match on Tuesday. Or they'll announce a match coming up here pretty soon where they, they match two guys together. They got this. Um, <clears throat> and you the audience can go on YouTube or whatever and take a look at this guy. His name's Ace Austin. He's a very, he's like 22 years old. The guy can do everything. He's a fantastic worker. He's a smarmy little slimy heel. And uh, he won a tournament to be the number one contender for Tessa's um, title. But since she didn't show up to the 
the tapings recently, um, they're going to have to come up with something else. And I, I, I think that him and somebody else are going to fight for the title. And um, if you've never seen Ace Austin wrestle before, I, he's one of those guys that like that you should really go out of your way to get to know now because eventually he's going to be on one of those bigger shows and he's going to be a big star. So what is Tessa's story? Like, I know that she, for you know, she, for safety reasons, she didn't really want to do any traveling during, during the pandemic, but is, is that still the case or yeah. is it something else? No, I think, I, I think it's still the case. Um, <clears throat> I've read all the reports, you know, um, and everyone's saying, look, look, she's in Mexico. There's travel restrictions in Mexico. Um, if she, she lives there, but she's an American citizen, they're afraid that she probably can't go back. Her fiance is Daga. He's a, a Mexican wrestler from AAA. He, he ain't coming into the country at this point. Um, and so I, I think there's, it's those three things all involved. And <clears throat> there might be a little bit of a, a contract thing there too. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I like Tessa Blanchard. I think she's a great wrestler. I, I don't know what she's expecting on her next deal. And maybe maybe she knows something that the rest of the world doesn't know. Maybe AEW is going to take a flyer on her. But she got herself into some controversy earlier this year. And if uh, Tony Khan has an issue with Hulk Hogan coming to his show, I think he'll have the same <laughs> he'll have the same issue with Tessa Blanchard because she got she has similar controversy. And word is she's also a pain in the ass. So well, I think I, I don't I, think I don't know. I, the pain in the ass part is probably why she's not with WWE. So. Yeah, no, it was, she she had her shot there, and, and uh, it didn't quite work out for her. But um, look, so, you know, still talented too. Just oh, uh, she's she's fantastic. She's a, a, an amazing star. I don't know if you ever had the chance to watch her match with um, her two matches with Sammy Callahan. I was able to watch one of them for sure. Yeah. I, I and, got to watch one of them because, dude, I'm I am not a fan of intergender wrestling. And, and I remember I was watching the match and my wife walked in and she just saw Sammy like punching her in the face. And she was like, I don't like this. And so we turned it and I had to finish watching it later. Cause I was writing about it on my, uh, on my site. But, um, so I, you know, it's not really my thing, but they made me get lost in their story. It was that good of a story. It was that good of a match to where I was able to suspend my disbelief. But, but then when I saw her powerbomb Brian Cage, I was like, okay, this is bullshit. So I'm like, <laughs> I, like, I, I I'm not interested in that. I did not want to see her wrestle Michael Elgin. Um, so if uh, I think that if they get the title off of her and uh, maybe if uh, Elgin becomes champion or Moose is running around with the TNA title, which is cool. It's kind of a funny story. He's like this uh, delusional guy who thinks he's the TNA champ and maybe maybe they'll put the Impact title on him. I think he's a he's a fantastic uh, star. Not the greatest wrestler, but he, uh, he's got a lot of charisma. He's got star presence. I think he can be a guy for them. So lots of options there, though. All right, before we get out of here, tell people where they can find the website and uh, the, the, both, both of the Twitters that you're on. Yeah, so you can go to my website. It's uh, thecombatrepublic.com. And I, uh, I, I don't really do a whole lot of WWE stuff. Uh, occasionally, my cousin will pop in there and do some WWE stuff. But I, I just I write about what's interesting to me, and I, I post it on there. And uh, you're going to get some Impact stuff, uh, MLW, NWA, Ring of Honor. I do some AEW stuff. I cover a lot of mixed martial arts that maybe most folks don't really pay attention to, like uh, like Com- Combate Americas. I do some Bellator stuff, and I really like the Ryzen uh, promotion out of Japan and so I know they're coming out with a pay-per-view here pretty soon so I'm hoping to be able to uh, to get some contests going with Fight TV on my Twitter account and uh, maybe give out a free code there um, 
And my Twitter account is at uh, Combat Republic. Um, I talk, you know, just about everything combat sports related. Um, I, I stay away from the politics. I stay away from all that stuff. <clears throat> um, but if you go to my personal Twitter at Get Up Mike, uh, you're going to get Joe Biden talk, and you're going to get four- <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to get uh, you're going to get 49er talk, and that's about the extent of it. So <laughs> yeah, that that's that's kind of how we connected too. So yeah. That- cool all right man so um yeah so that that's it for here so i want to want to thank mike for hanging out with us uh post ufc hope i didn't keep you up too late uh i am double g we will see you when we see you peace out